0: well uh my name is tyler and welcome to the horror pod class so uh those of you that are joining for the first time or are coming back uh just a reminder: the the crux of the show, the idea of the show, is ostensibly we talk about a movie in a fashion that is vaguely academic, uh, so that theoretically a teacher somewhere may be able to use some of what we talk about or some of what we have just witnessed uh, in the classroom. That being said, uh, before we get there, we have not met in a very very long time because our last one was like, snowed out. Yeah, it's been so. A bit. Yeah, talk to me, Oren. What have you been? Uh, what have you been up to? So
1: I've, I've actually watched and read things. Shockingly, this is a big change for me. Normally, I, I have only watched like old movies from the '40s um, when we when we do this. But now, I uh, I've been reading um, the latest thing from Silvia Moreno Garcia, which is uh, called Silver Nitrate, which is a a book about old movies. So it's very much up my alley. Um, it'll be out in. July, I think, but I've got an advanced copy. So I've been reading it. It's really good so far. Um, You're burying the lead, though, right? Like, uh,
0: <laughs> first off, this is a, a very famous author. Uh, my wife is absolutely obsessed with her newest kind of reimagining of uh, it's like a Mexican-inspired island of Dr. Moreau called, I think, the Daughter of Dr. Yeah, Moreau. Yep. Uh if, Amazing! I listened to the last two or three hours of it without knowing anything and was enthralled. So who did she dedicate this book to Oren? So
1: she did she dedicated the book to me, which I did not know about until I was reading the advanced copy actually. Um, yeah. Sylvia and I have been friends for a long time. She published some of my very first stories. So um, like we, we've known each other since before either of us were, were doing anything like this. <laughs> um, but no, it's a really good book. I haven't actually read The Daughter of Dr. Moreau, but everything oh, yeah. I have read by her has been really great. Um, I also watched the new Junji Ito uh, anime on Netflix, which we did, um, Zumaki, here a few a few months back. Uh, the new anime is not great. Oh, um, no, head, that's heads such heads up, a bummer. I mean, I, I feel like no one's shocked by this. Like, n- the last anime wasn't great, and it's the same creative team, so... Um,
0: I just think it's hard to pull that off. Like, it is a very stylistically specific thing that I think is hard to reproduce.
1: Yeah. Oh, and and it's, it's a good, like, I think the show's a good indication of, like, why adaptation is more complicated than just being faithful to the source material, because the show is very much that. Like, it's very. You could practically use the comic as, like, a storyboard for the show. Like, they, they follow the, the comic or the, the manga really closely. Um, but, like,. It doesn't have the same punch when it's on a different style like it's a different medium it's a different style and so you've got to do different things which is what you know uzumaki did well i think and what this kind of fails to do yeah. at least for me uh, what is great though is um the dunwich horror and other stories which is this 2007 uh film by a japanese director whose name i cannot remember right now um, it's ryo shinagawa i believe um but uh <laughs> i'll believe you <laughs> it's like an hour long it's three stories it's the Dunmage Horror, the picture in the house and the festival i believe so they are 3 okay, HBO papier-craft cool. stories they're all done in it's not quite stop motion cuz it doesn't really move it's more like a bunch of like photographs of dollhouse dioramas oh. like they're their little dioramas and the camera moves but they mostly oh. don't um and then it it like, the characters, you know, talk and everything, but don't really move. Um, That's weird. Yeah, it's... I've never seen anything quite like it, but it does an amazing job, actually, of, like, capturing the vibe of the stories. All right. And um, it's probably the best adaptation of the Horror I've ever seen. Cool. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really good. And where's that available? Um, I watched it on... I want to say Tubi. I'm not positive that's true. If it wasn't Tubi, it was. <laughs> we should be sponsored by Tubi. Everything's weird. Like, it was hey, YouTube. Go one or watch the other. Tubi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's on either Tubi or YouTube. I'm, I'm 90% sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, look it up. It's from 2007, and it's very short, so you're not going to be out much, but it's great. It's uh, really okay. fantastic.
0: Very cool. All right. So, uh, first and foremost, I finished Clown in the Cornfield 2 by uh, Adam Caesar. Uh, Uh, Like, he is – if you haven't read the original Clown on the Cornfield, you absolutely should. Uh, He writes teenagers in a real uh, but but kind way that I rarely have seen, right? Like, uh, I'm partial to it because I'm a high school teacher and I I deal with human beings that – uh, I, I am very affectionate of But also cognizant of That they are really annoying from time to time <laughs> and, and I think authors just get The annoying part and they don't get that Affectionate part and it's like Adam Caesar just gets it And uh, the story is compelling If you are scared of clowns uh, It is perfect This one has a real Like uh, like uh, January 6th vibe about it That there's like this uh kind of uprising that happens uh, that's partial or specific to the plot. I don't know, man. I Like, I just poured through it. It yeah, was, it was I mean, super awesome.
1: I haven't read this one yet. Uh, the first one was great, and Adam is just a great guy in yeah. general and deserves all the success he's having. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I also finished Jackal by Aaron Adams, which I would say is the second or third or fourth book in this kind of African-American horror uh, world that I've immersed myself in. Uh, it's very specifically a conversation about... about Uh, Black Bodies, and uh, I think is really close to another book that I was fond of earlier this year called uh, Cherish, Cherish, I think. I'll I'll put it in the show notes, but they're fantastic. Uh, Bodies, bodies, bodies. I finally caught that before the beginning of the year. Uh, It is a big uh, mess uh, in the absolute best way possible. Uh, It's weird that A24 would invest in a movie that is so... Silly, um, I, I will say it. It uh, happens to be a queer story, but it is not presented as the gimmick of the story. It just happens to be uh, a queer relationship that's examined. And I, I don't know. I was kind of. Thought, I thought that was interesting and cool, and maybe part of the reason why A twenty four was so into it. Uh, but yeah, totally worth a, a great kind of ninety minute watch. And. I have tickets for Infinity Pool tomorrow, which is Brandon Cronenberg's new film that... uh Whoever, uh, uh, not whoever, but one of our authors of Signal Horizon caught it at Sundance and reviewed it for the website. Uh, and I believe the logline was something like, if David Cronenberg did a season of White Lotus, it might be this thing. <laughs> and I love both of those things. So I was like, OK, I will give this weird body order horror thing uh, a try. So, yeah, I'm excited about that, too. Right. So so much stuff that we've uh, not been able to talk about until yeah, now. Yeah, no, it's but been... Yeah. All right. <laughs> In a minute. Let's go to our essential question. Are cursed families a, se- uh, a thing? Also, uh, what is Caliphagalus
1: and I, is it real? I've never actually looked that up, so I don't know. That's ridiculous. There's nothing to that story about a monster.
0: I shall never forget that night when I found your grandfather down there on the path at the edge of the cliff after he'd met it, so horribly mangled.
1: as though I was a scared kid or a lunatic. I tell you, there's something horrible out there. Unless we destroy it, it'll destroy us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we'll have that conversation at the end. It but seems yeah. like
1: something we should have we should have looked up before we did the episode. but yeah. I'm really prepared for this. I one. actually I'm have
0: uh, an answer to the Calafagalis oh, okay. stuff.
1: Okay. Maybe
0: uh, we'll see. Sure. So, all right. You gotta tell me. This is uh, sometimes you and I have films that we're like, "Oh yeah, let's totally do that." And sometimes uh, I'm like, "Hey, we need to do Yellow Brick Road." And Orrin's like, "It's not that great a film." And I'm like, "Let's do Yellow Brick Road." And we uh, show it, and I'm like, "Yeah, all right. It was probably (laughs) should have listened to Orrin." No, it's fine. (laughs) But this is unabashedly one of your films. Why'd you pick it?
1: I mean, I so basically if. I didn't have you to temper my worst impulses I would show nothing but films like this like it would be all it would be all weird black and white trash from like before 1969 (laughs) um but no so I I love this movie um partly because of the incredibly stupid ending that we're going to talk about here shortly um but also you know I, I just love like the look of it and the the gothic you know sort of tone of it and everything and it's got a a occult detective of a sort, yeah. which um is great. And his assistant who is even better, I love her. Oh, she's delightful.
0: She's the absolute best, yeah. Um
1: but uh so it's also a um it's also a film by John Brom, who right. we're gonna talk about. Uh John Brom was a uh, very successful for a very brief time director. <laughs> Um, he had this string of hits, which we'll see in just a moment, in the in the 40s that are basically all classics. Like, this is my favorite of them, but it's not the best one. Uh, the best one's actually a movie called Hangover Square. Oh, okay. Which everyone should see, if you haven't ever seen Hangover Square, it is legit a classic, even if you didn't like this movie. Um, well, talk to us a little bit. What's the
0: the kind of central conceit of... Hangover Square.
1: So, Hangover Square, um, so after this movie, there's this, there's a string of six, uh, after this movie he made The Lodge, remade The Lodger, which was an Alfred Hitchcock film. Okay. A silent Alfred Hitchcock film about Jack the Ripper. Um, and so after this, John Brom remade The Lodger, um, and he had this star, um, whose name was, uh, Laird Krieger, I believe, and, um... He was very, very good in the lottery. He, he got very good reviews and everything. So for Hangover Square, they reteamed and made an original story, which is a, basically it's a murder mystery. It's a guy who thinks maybe he committed a murder, but he can't remember it. He has amnesia. Um, he's a composer, and it, it relates back to his, you know, his composing and everything. Cool. Um, it's very much this, like, gaslight Alfred Hitchcock movie. Right? Love but, it. So, All um, right. and, uh... So it sounds like that kind of uh, he
0: used some of the same behaviors of yeah. Hitchcock and
1: yeah yeah and he was he was at the time uh, he's been favorably compared to Hitchcock um, but he didn't yeah there there's the there's the six um, there's the six films and so – Uh-oh. Whoop. one more nope oh wait there All we right. go yeah um, sorry yeah so. Um, but anyway, the, the the main thing about uh, Laird Krieger is that, like, so in The Lodger, he's pretty heavy. He's not a skinny guy. In Hangover Square, he is a skinny guy. He went oh. on a crash diet that actually killed him.
0: Oh, my gosh. For All Hangover right.
1: Square, yeah. So um, it's, it's, like, it's one of those early sort of um, method acting kind of things where he, like, got so into the role and worked so hard to be right for the role that he actually ended up dying as nice. a result. All right. So it's very intense, um, but he's amazing in it, like... I'm not gonna say it's worth it. That's ridiculous. But <laughs> but I mean he is incredible in Hangover Square and Hangover Square is just a fantastic movie. It's got um a couple of set pieces that are some of the best from that era and um well I think that that gives us a good moment to talk
0: some about the set pieces in The Undying Monster right. which like the sound stage alone of oh this God. film yeah. is the reason you should check it out, right? Yeah, like and they use it so well. They give us perspective with it. Uh it looks terrifying. It looks like it's kind of old school creepy. Yeah. But you can tell as they shift the set when they get down the cliff, it's the same sound stage, you know. They're just using different techniques to shoot it. Yeah, yeah and it's got to be I think part of the reason why we gravitate to stuff like this. Oh, yeah.
1: I love I love pretty much anything that's shot on a soundstage. Like, anything where it's a set, where it's handmade, like, it's amazing. I love that stuff.
0: Yeah. And, it, it just creates an atmosphere.
1: And this too. one's fantastic. And normally in a movie like this, which is, it's not one of the Universal films. It's um, you know, 20th Century Fox instead. It's very short. It's what you'd normally think of as a B-picture. And so normally you wouldn't get this kind of budget on a B-picture. Like, it wouldn't look this good. Um, but partly John Brom is good at using what he has. And partly 20th Century Fox was trying to cash in on the success of The Wolfman from two years before. Oh, of course, yeah. But um, this is definitely not a Wolfman film. No, absolutely, obviously, obviously not. Um, <laughs> and so they dumped a lot of money into this that you would not normally get in a movie this light otherwise. Um,
0: I, I, I kind of enjoy the idea... That you can get around IP issues (laughs) and copyright issues by like doing what you want and then at the end being like, it's not that big. It's totally not (laughs) that,
1: though. I mean, definitely not.
0: Yeah, like I want to make like Friday the 13th, you know, and be like, "Uh, it's clearly Saturday the 14th. What are you guys talking about? Right? Like you got the wrong thing.
1: Come on. yeah. That's clearly not a hockey mask. It's just a white mask with a bunch of holes in it. (laughs) Right. We can do that. It's
0: a paper plate. All right. I just (laughs) holes in the paper plate. Yeah. All right, so talk to us kind of... It looks like the end, then, of uh, Brahm's kind of filmography is this mad magician in Okay, so um,
1: he did keep making movies and actually some TV shows and things, but these are kind of his, like, six good ones, basically. After this, it was programmers, essentially, right? It was, like, stuff that no one really remembers or or thought particularly well of, and I don't really know what happened to him. He's one of those people who... Doesn't have a dramatic story that I'm aware of. It's just okay. that he he was very promising for a minute, and then the promise never materialized. As it does, all right. Um, the Mad up. Magician is um, a Vincent Price movie. Actually, it's nice. basically a remake of House of Wax. Okay. Um, it's he's a magician instead of a wax museum operator, but of like course. it's the same basic plot. He's got a business partner who steals his ideas and tries to burn down the place, and and he comes back for revenge and so on and so forth. Um, it, it reuses one of the big set pieces from Hangover Square so there's a Hangover Square takes place on Guy Fawkes oh nice alright all right. Um, and so there's a big Guy Fawkes Day bonfire sequence that's really good and the Mad Magician reuses it although it's not supposed to be Guy Fawkes Day because it's in America I don't remember what it's supposed to be why they're having a huge bonfire in America at that time
0: May Day <laughs> or something sure, like I, yeah. I don't feel like that was a big deal 4th of July was, I don't know I,
1: uh... um <laughs> the, the last but, day of school, I, right, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but. Um, but they they reuse the set piece to somewhat less effect. But it's an okay movie. Um, uh,
0: okay, very good. I, I think we could like uh, totally schedule a whole year's worth of like bonfire movies. You know, yeah. <laughs> like where yeah. all the central stuff happens at uh, the bonfire. So uh, Andrew's gonna move to the next, and we're gonna talk some uh, about the the book that this is based off of.
1: Yeah. So this was. This was based on a book by uh, Jessie Douglas Kerouish. Uh She wrote several other novels, but this is the only one I've ever read. Um, I sadly did not read a copy that had this cover, which is the best cover. Look at that yeah. idiotic thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really don't know
0: what's going on with the snout. Uh, yeah, it's they, very weird. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't really match the book very well either. Like, it matches the movie we just watched actually much better than matches the book. Um, But yeah, so the the book is a lot weirder than the movie It, uh, like, capital W, weirder Like, it involves, like, past life regression Oh, wow And there's this whole, like, psychedelic sequence Where they regress a person back through their past lives All the way back to, like, Old Norse Oh. and reference, like, the Volsunga saga, which is one of the earliest pieces of, like, Old Norse writing we have. Oh,
0: wild. So it's almost got, a, like, a altered states kind of yeah. uh, vibe to it. Okay.
1: Um, it's also notable because it introduces a female psychic detective, one of the first ones in literature, um, which sadly did not make it into the into the movie. I think Christie is kind of our... Yeah, she's our, as our, close our as we're nod getting to that. Yeah, but um, and ma- she's
0: great, but maybe yeah. not for like a serious. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and she's like she's the assistant, whereas Luna Bartondale, the one from the book, is is the main character. Nice. Um,
0: yeah, I, I also think that there is something inherently Big W weird about that kind of. Uh, detective element, right? Like, yeah. True Detective is definitely a weird film, obviously, well, but yeah. we see that all the time, and it yeah, reoccurs well, in this Yeah, well,
1: the, occ- the occult detective goes back like, to before before Lovecraft, even, like, William Poe had Carnacki. I mean, it, basically, almost as long as there's been detectives, we've had, like, weird detectives. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue is the right. story that's credited as having created the detective story, and it's got a naturalistic explanation, but yeah. Yeah, you gotta
0: stretch. Well that's <laughs> in in the thing that struck me, right, and I almost picked it when we were gonna talk about our four corners, uh and it has been a very long time since I've read Murders and Rue Morgue, but it is a monkey, right? That that commits the murder. Orangutan,
1: but yeah. Uh, okay, yeah.
0: So we get this huge kind of uh, red herring at the beginning, purposefully, where he's like, "I think it was a monkey." Everybody look at blah blah blah, and they're like, the cops all oh, run yeah. off to like I mean, I feel check like the was, zoo
1: or something. I feel like that was a reference to yeah. murders in the room, or, like because murders in the room, or, I mean, not you know, obviously Poe had written it like a century before this, but I'm um, not quite that long, but a long time. But um, you know, at, at the same time, like it had been made into a movie. At least once by this time, maybe twice. Um, there was a uh, Bella Lugosi one in like 32, which okay. is great, incidentally. Um, but um, I don't so, yeah. think I've seen any of them, it, so. it, it. But it had clearly been, you know, it had definitely been made into a movie at least once. So, like, film moviegoers in the 40s would definitely have been familiar with the basic plot of the Murders in the Room Oregon. So I think that was like an intentional sort of nod to that. I like it. Well, and, and again, right? This is. Uh, kind of
0: uh, right smack dab in the code, you know, like there's there's right. nothing that you see that is remotely controversial, right? Right. So, like, if you read Murder in the Room Org, right, yeah. uh, you could totally show pieces of this, and, it, you know, yeah. like nobody
1: would have any issues. Yeah, and so. the, yeah, the original Room Org was definitely pre-code, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: All right, so uh, Andrew's going to move on, and you're going to talk to me about a term... Uh, frankly, until you put it on here, I had never heard of. That's
1: because I made it up.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, talk to us about your new made-up concept of spook blocking, because so, it's my favorite thing. Well,
1: I was trying to describe uh, this phenomenon that happens in, in these old movies a lot, um, which is that, which is exactly what happens in this movie, more or less. They set it up to appear that there's going to be a, you know a supernatural element. Um, a... a Werewolf, in this case. Uh, one of the movies I put up on the list here is Mark of the Vampire, which is itself a remake of um, London After Midnight, Todd Browning's famous lost silent film. And in both of those, it, it seems like there's a vampire. And instead, you get this uh, materialistic explanation, this 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 scientific explanation for whatever it is, right? Which usually is essentially a variation on the Scooby-Doo ending. Yeah. Which is that it was just a person in Mark the Vampire was just a person. It was just a guy who pretended to be a vampire. Um, the explanation of how he pretended to be a vampire is idiotic, just like the explanation of the werewolf in this is. Um, he apparently drained all of someone's blood with a hot glass. He oh, heated yeah. up a glass and then drained their blood with it, and right. then I guess put it in his pocket, because where the hell did he put it? <laughs> First, there's a the lot flask. of blood in them. <laughs> um, but anyway... He's <laughs> still angry about Mark of the Vampire but No, I, I actually, I love it Like, I love this shit um, But uh, but one of the things that we tend to forget When we think about these old movies from the 30s and 40s Is that Because we think mostly about the Universal films sure. right? And sure. the Universal films aren't like this They have actual monsters They have Dracula and Wolfman and stuff But most movies didn't Most movies, like, the, the Universal pictures were The exceptions, not the rules right. 90% of movies at this time were were this spook blocking thing where they seemed like they had a, a scary ghost or whatever but no it was just a person Yeah, it was the Scooby-Doo thing all along which is why Scooby-Doo does it actually is that Scooby-Doo came out for the first time in the 60's when these movies were becoming popular again sure. because of the shock theater packages playing them on TV Yeah, and so kids were primed for that Right, and so that's why Scooby Doo is like that. It's not like we kind of think of Scooby Doo as inventing it, but it's actually just referencing it from these old movies that we mostly don't remember.
0: Well, I I think the two things, right? I love the idea that in that kind of spook blocking mentality, right? Uh, Realism, pragmatism, uh, materialism, whatever you want to call it, right? The idea that the fantastical, the the Uh, The magical, the supernatural, right? Isn't real. Uh, All those movies elevate science and, like, uh, obviously you and I are big fans of supernatural things and I think probably tend in our (laughs) basic belief system to give some of that more credit than, than most, but... Living in our day and age, where it is popular—at least I think—with with half of of the country—to like not elevate science, right? right, or to think science is this malevolent thing, right? right. Uh, it's great to see the science. The scientist like, no, man, stop being crazy, right? It's yeah. just—it's uh, a psychological disorder. Chill out. And I don't know. It's so different than yeah. than
1: how we approach it. Right well, now, and right? one of the one of the interesting things about a lot of these kind of movies is that enormous enormous swaths of movies, and and not just back in the in the forties and thirties and, and so on, but all the way up to the present day, honestly, will have this this sort of tension in them between superstition and reason, essentially, right? Like where where they want to say, you know, no superstition is bad. It is it is dangerous. It's belief based on not evidence. Right. right. Which is right. which is dangerous. But then They usually the superstition person usually ends up being right Right. actually, and so like that's it undercuts the message. Whereas these movies actually do the opposite. They're like, no man, your superstition person turned out to be wrong.
0: Right, right. They
1: they may have had fact they may have had things right, but their basis was wrong. And so you know, as much as I love a good monster, that's actually a monster. um, There's something to be said for these kind of spook blocking movies where it's like, no man, superstition is not all that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, and, and the last thing I want to say about spook blocking. Uh, your first reference was Scooby Doo, and now this is like, the, I don't know, probably. I hadn't seen this movie before we picked it, so this is probably now like third or fourth time I've seen it, there is like a Scooby-Doo bit at the end of this movie, right? Where the bad guy is like, you know, he's got the the girl over his shoulder, and he's like, running this way, right? And yep. our detective is going the other way. They might as well be crossing yep. in corridors. And I was like, oh, dude, like yep. it is a straight line from movies like this, I think, to a lot of the the kind of Scooby-Doo mentality, like oh, the yeah. investigator and all. Yeah, I, mean, I, I so just
1: really dig it. One of the other movies that I put in the notes is the the Cat in the Canary, which if anyone's not seen, there's there's been like 30 versions of The Cat in the Canary over the years. The first one's silent, it was a stage play before that. Um, it's sort of the old Dark House movie, so like um, it's it's but, but the premise of it is that there's a bunch of people in this house uh, and there's an escaped mental patient, essentially and the people in the house are getting knocked off and the escaped mental patient is this kind of deformed weird monster guy. Um, and, you know, of course they think it's the escaped mental patient who's doing it, but actually it's one of them in the house wearing a disguise. It turns out, spoilers for a movie that's older than your grandpa. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, it, it's, it's almost literally a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah. Like, and, you know, again, it, Scooby-Doo is just referencing these old movies. Like, that's sure. what it was what it was designed to do. That's why the monsters look the way they do, and then they look like the old, you know, 30s and 40s monsters and yeah. Yeah. so on and so forth.
0: That's very cool. But yeah. All right. Trivia time. All right. So, uh, <laughs> raise your hand. Tell me who this guy is. I got Saul in the back first. Michael J. Fox? That's Michael J. Fox. Can you tell me the movie, too? Uh, two, no. Um, is it Team Wolf? It's yep. Team Wolf, buddy. It's Team Wolf. All right. So, you get either The Waterman, which, <laughs> <laughs> good luck, uh, Seance, which is actually a fantastic film, uh, or Shattered, which is another one of those. Uh, yeah, that's five films. Okay. Yeah.
1: You're really selling them there. I know.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the Waterman. All right. <laughs> All right. Good luck. There we go. It is uh, uh, something to do with Rotten Tomatoes. I think maybe, I've never seen that one before. It's not Rotten Tomatoes approved. It is on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so good luck with that. Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> okay. So uh, getting back to our essential question for a moment, right? Uh I kind of handled at least a little bit of the discussion of like the idea of cursed families, right? And as I was putting together the kind of the nomenclature, the way in my mind I was gonna discuss it, there's like families that end up inheriting uh, an item, either that's passed down from generations to generations, uh, or like, at least in the Dybbuk box, uh, like they buy it at a garage sale or whatever it may be, but they they stumble upon it, right? right? And then the other thing or the other form of cursed families is like a pact made ancient to, you right. know, like make your family profit or whatever it is and you got to pay the pri- pay the piper every time. So uh, I think Artifact movies would be like Poltergeist or The Grudge or something like that.
1: I like how all the Artifact movies you picked are just houses.
0: That's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, so I picked The Ring uh, initially instead of The Grudge, and then I went back and changed it because I liked the idea of like that kind of generational drama that – uh, both the American remake and the old one kind of get to, but uh not the newest remake. Uh, I think we saw that. Did we see
1: that together? I don't know. I saw it. I know I know I, I, I think saw we it. I saw it really and we was, hated it, it, right? We were like, oh God, um, that was awful. The American one, yeah. The, yeah. the new American one. That, sorry, there's been like eight and they're right. all and they're all just called the grudge. It's very confusing. Yes. Uh
0: the Sarah <laughs> Michelle Geller one is I think actually okay.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's both well, the same director as the Previous one because that that director has right. made the grudge like nine times. Well,
0: as you would too, right? Like he's I mean, yeah, a money maker. It's, it's, you can well, just it's great money.
1: Also, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know. But All right,
0: so tell me, what is an artifact movie uh, that maybe you think that, of that isn't a house? That yeah. isn't a
1: house. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are some. Yeah. I'm I'm struggling to like think of like family ones. I know they I know they exist. Like I know that there have to be some like. Ones from the seventies that I'm blanking on, like the Dark Shadows era. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There've yeah. got to be some, but like all the ones I can think of are houses. Again, like, yeah. um, uh, burnt offerings or sure. you know, stuff like that. Where, uh, where, where again, it's houses. Um, but I, there have to be others. Like, yeah. There have to be I cannot... I have not thought of one. I, I mentioned... Gonna, I, mean, I, I wanted to pick on you about the houses, but I can't think of one either.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mentioned <laughs> uh, the Dimmick Box earlier, which, right. uh, you
1: know, is, is at
0: least partially based off of a true story, uh, based off of uh, my hometown... Not hometown, but my college town of Kirksville, Missouri. You know, like, there was a whole thing, right? Where yeah. this whole family ended up being cursed as a result of that. Uh, the other off the top of my head that I almost typed here comically uh, is... Amityville, like six six six, Lost in Time, because it has a clock oh, that they inherit. Nineteen eighty two. Nineteen eighty
1: two. Amityville 1992. So it's one of the so it's one of the Amityville garage sale movies. That's what they right. call them. Um, so like after after Amityville three, there's four Amityville movies in a row that are just like someone buys a random item yeah. from the Amityville house and then that item becomes the thing. So like there's a lamp, a clock, a mirror, and a dollhouse. I think. I think those are the four. I might be wrong about the mirror. I know the other three are right.
0: But the the mirror uh,
1: reminds me of Oculus, which yeah. is... Uh, which is a family cursed item movie. There we yep. go. Yeah,
0: there we go. Hey, we stumbled upon it. It took yep. us an hour. But uh, hey, we're here. And that's uh, Mike Flanagan, right? That's yep. Uh, yep. at his, I think, absolute best. Uh, And then we get the kind of antichrist version—the idea that we sell our souls for this thing. It's really, uh, really funny that you know the lovely folks here at Straight Cat are are showing Faust right uh, on Saturday because it's really that Faustian bargain.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and when it's not that, um, a lot of times it's like someone who. Did a, a crime of some sort, right? Even if it wasn't selling their soul, like I can think of of a dozen, like again from the '70s movies that are like, "Oh, your ancestors killed a witch, yeah, right back in back in Salem or whatever, and so now your whole line is cursed forever because you killed this witch and yeah. she, she laid her death curse on you, sure." Um, and so yeah, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing, like something your ancestors did, whether it was uh, whether it was you know selling their soul to the devil or or doing something bad to a person, yeah um that, that then you pay for you know, down the line.
0: Yeah, um, like uh, thinner, right? I yeah. curse you thinner, right? right? The, you know, the Romani. Right. That was, uh, that was mostly just him and not his family, but yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They didn't all get skinny. That would be, um, oh, what is the deer movie? The killing of a sacred deer. I'm sorry. Oh, so uh, they all
1: get skinny? Is that what that's about? They
0: all stop eating. It's a big, like, Greek metaphor. I don't, like, sure. I don't know. It was tough. Uh, it's not my bag necessarily. <laughs> I think that's uh, Panos Kosmatos.
1: Uh, yeah, sounds right.
0: Uh, Euros Lan- Lanthimos, yeah. Sorry, all right. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Those are the same person. Well, yeah, right? one of the one of all. the
0: Greek guys that makes it not weird, uh, the same person, uh, but... strange, strange films. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I picked out. Uh, I'm sure Andrew will get us here to this next slide for us. I picked out some cursed families that I don't know. Like these were the ones that stood out to
1: me, and like I, I thought. Bare discussion, at least a little bit? I just like the one that just involves a witch. I don't know how.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so I was like, what do I type for this one? Uh, so the Grimaldis of Monaco, okay, or the royalty of Monaco. So, like, like they're still alive. They still, sure. you know, whatever, right? But way back in the day, like great-great-great-great-great-grandpa or whatever, li- like, the story is, it's documented, like, everybody talks about it, like, it's a real thing, Uh like, accidentally killed this woman and okay. was a total dick about it because he was kind of uh, aristocratic and, like, was dismissive, not, like, in a super, like a, like, a villain kind of way, but, like, in a rich people kind of way, sure. right? And so her family was like, all right, fuck you then. Uh, now you're forever cursed, right? Yeah. And so I don't know, like, half a dozen to a dozen family members since then have all died in this incredibly tragic, really, you know, uh awful way, right? So sure. it is like that story that we talked about before, only writ in real life. You nice. Know? Okay. So yeah. And then, obviously, the Kennedys, uh, I'm leaving off a bunch of uh, <laughs> all of theirs, but obviously JFK, RFK, right. JFK Jr., although I think that there is a principal segment of the population that believes uh, JFK Jr. is alive still? Apparently, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah.
1: and he's going to come save us from, I don't know, liberals or something. Yeah,
0: like uh, of all the strange conspiracies out there, that seems an odd one. Uh, but yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah it, to, to each their own. And finally, obviously, that Bruce Lee legacy. What I found most interesting about that. Is That one is entirely based off of a spirit that curses, like, the firstborn or, like, the only male in the lineage, mm-hmm. which uh, obviously has its roots in kind of uh, cr- uh, Judeo-Christian ethic or probably more like
1: uh, Not just patrilineage. Right, you know? right, yeah. right, right. So, uh,
0: but yeah, terrifying yeah. and awful. Uh, and
1: it's more or less what happened in uh, Thundering Monster, right? It was only the male... That's members true. Of the family that, you know, so just like that Bruce Lee and his son turned into werewolves. Yes, as, is what happened.
0: Speaking of, uh <laughs> before we before we talk about how the statues look like Anubis real quick, uh we have referenced a couple of times and I don't want to run out of time cuz time is growing short, but that ending, man, right? Like uh is it to get out of copyright, is it for the science or is it just for the? I, mean, I think the, I, lulls. I
1: think <laughs> I think it's I think it's ostensibly the science thing. Like it's it's the it's the mark of the vampire ending. It's the no, it wasn't a werewolf. It's just a guy who thinks he's a werewolf, but also grows wolf hair like you do when you think you're a werewolf. You right. know, um, which. I mean, I think that's partly. I think it's two things. One, I think it's movies not really understanding science very well. For all that they may exalt science, they don't understand it particularly well because they're movie makers, not scientists. Um, but also, it's like. It's disappointing, right? Yeah. To have a guy who doesn't look like a werewolf in your werewolf movie. Like, if you turn out. He turns out just <laughs> like be a it's dude. just a guy who thinks growling, he's a wolf, growling at people. That's boring. Right, yeah, right. So, yeah, you have to make him look like a wolf and sure. also grow hair that you spectroanalyze and it's wolf hair, whatever. Yeah. Sure. Right. Um Yeah, I mean I, I think it's just absurd. Like I don't I don't think there's any meat to it. It's yeah. just goofy. It's just the way it goes. Yep.
0: All right. So as we go, uh one more. I picked out some really famous uh, dog movies that really I thought... famous. Well, uh, if I say really famous. How about <laughs> movies that I love that feature ancient dogs? Audience who, is listen, <laughs> audience
1: who is listening to this YouTube or whatever, I did air quotes around really famous. Yeah, 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 up, yeah. Not a single one of these are really famous. No, not uh, remotely. But I
0: will tell you, all three of these movies are an absolute blast to watch. Uh, both Devil Dog and Zoltan, like work under these completely, utterly ridiculous scenarios that uh, the the dogs of Dracula are somehow influenced by his vampire-ness. Sure, right, right yeah. Uh, and I think at least in Zoltan, like the premise is, I, I, I think I have it correct, that uh, he accidentally bites the dog at the beginning.
1: Like and you that's, do, I mean, who right? Like he trips and falls
0: and bites the dog. Goes, "Oh no, I've turned my dog into a vampire or whatever," right? And that's how we get Zoltan. You actually
1: have to do a Dracula voice from now on. Just I, I thought it was pretty throughout. good. Yeah, it was. Good. I was now unplanned. I thought it was pretty good. Do that from now on. Okay. That's how you have to do the podcast.
0: <laughs> Why does Tyler talking about <laughs> it? Go with it. It's a thing that happened in the fourth season and it's stuck. That's just um, the way it is.
1: No, I've actually, I'm not sure I've ever seen Zoltan, and if I have, it's been a very long time. I saw Devil Dog as a kid and have weirdly vivid memories of having seen it. like Only like three scenes, but man, I remember them very clearly, even though I saw them when I was like nine. Yeah, yeah. The, it, um,
0: uh, they all go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's directed by Curtis
1: Harrington. <laughs> so, oh, I, did not, um, I didn't yeah, even know that. It's okay. got a real director.
0: All right, and so what <laughs> I will say is the kind of unsung hero of the three of these is The Pyramid, which is, uh, listeners of the podcast and folks that know me will know I have a very big soft spot for found footage, and, like, the found footage in this movie is ridiculous. It is, like, uh, I, I, like simultaneously my least favorite and most favorite are the few throwaway lines that they give to, like, why they're filming. You know? It's, <laughs> like, sometimes it's a documentary crew. Sometimes it's just a guy that's got a camera. And so, you know, like uh, – and this one's even more ridiculous. It's, like – they uh, break into old crypts and places, right? And uh, you think that they're going to put it on YouTube, but it's like just uh, like something that they do, right? They're, uh,
1: they're the guys from the Hound, yeah, basically, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're just they're just essentially weird perverts, right? Get off on uh, this.
0: And uh, there is a great reveal in this movie. It's a lot of fun. It does not take itself too serious. Uh, but yeah, if you like found footage, you could go real wrong with the Pyramid, which features a dog god, right? Mummy, right? Yeah, mummy, dog god. Mummy, mummy I don't know. I, I think you meet Anubis at the end.
1: By comparison to the others I saw the pyramid yesterday, like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's from, like, 2014. I saw it sometime Relatively between 2014 recent. and now. I've seen yeah. it, you know, in the last, like, six years or something. I remember almost nothing from it. Yeah. I remember having it I remember that. Devil Dog much more clearly, even though I saw it, like, 40 years ago. <laughs>
0: it's intense. All right, Andrew. <laughs> uh, last one. the Last uh, last question today. Uh those two dogs on the left and right—you can barely make them out—are statues. They are <laughs> called uh, Zol and Vins. And what uh, what movie do they feature? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Seance or shattered? Shattered. All right. So there you are. <laughs> That's yours. And guess what? You get <laughs>
1: Stabit- your your participation <laughs> prize. I know.
0: You picked the right time to come. All right, Andrew. So we've reached that point at the end of the program, where Oren and I like to talk about if you were to watch this movie uh, like back to back with another film as a double feature. Uh, honestly, this would make a great one because it's only well, you know an hour and six minutes or whatever it is long. Yeah. Uh, what else would you show uh, with it?
1: Um, so one of the ones I picked is *Mark of the Vampire* for reasons that are probably obvious from our earlier discussion. Um, also, again, the two I picked are each about a minute long. Like they're they're both old movies that are very short. Um, But Mark of the Vampire is great uh, and a lot of fun and very similar to this movie in tone. Sure. Um, the other one I picked is Dark Intruder from, I want to say, 1965. Nice. Yes. Killed right. it. Yeah. Uh, and it is uh, basically the second movie to ever be made that features Lovecraft in any way. Nice. Uh, Lovecraft stuff in any way. It stars Leslie Nielsen back before he was a comedian. Oh, great. All right. Um, it was a pilot for a TV series that never happened, um, but it's essentially it's it's a psychic detective investigating like some murders that are committed by a person who's cursed, basically. I love so it. I mean, it's basically the same plot. Um, it's got a lot more like weird, weird occult shit in it, and, cool. and, and an actual monster instead of just a guy who thinks he's a werewolf and therefore turns into a wolf, like you do. <laughs> That's what it does. <laughs>
0: Uh, so I, I chickened out I copped out uh, The Old Dark House uh, Is a film that we've covered On the podcast before uh, It's fantastic It features also Like somebody who may be ill uh, Somebody that may be cursed Somebody that may just be a monster Uh
1: and uh, you know, it it's just a lot of fun. It's, and, its main like big staircase looks a lot like the big staircase yeah, in this movie too. Yeah, like the
0: big kind of gothic house is great, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. And then, all right, this one is gonna take some, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, so, just
1: justify that one for us.
0: Yeah, 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 here we go, okay. <laughs> I feel like the inspector in the movie that we just watched is giving off the same kind of vibes That uh, Inspector, uh, well... Benoit Blanc. Yes, Benoit Blanc is giving off in Glass Onion. And ultimately, that kind of jovial, like, good-natured, like, I'm not a hard-boiled cop that, you know, like, I'm having fun with this, right? Like, it's part of the reason why I love all those Knives Out movies. I
1: say all, but the, all, I all love two the two, them.
0: right, in hopes that there are many, many more.
1: Yeah, I have uh, been well-blown forever.
0: But I will also say, after <laughs> our conversation today, I think the movie that really accompanies this super well is From Hell. Because it offers that same kind of weird pseudo-science, like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to use this kind of, like, I I, I don't, steampunk-ish I'm going to use my psychic
1: powers to catch Jack the Ripper, yeah. Yes, in a
0: scientific fashion, right? Because he's got all the doohickeys and all that. Like, it's, they're fundamentally silly science movies. And I don't know, if you advertised a silly science, like, uh, film festival, I think I'd be, I, I mean, I'd think I'm, I'd be up for I'm it.
1: I'm there for it. I love from hell. Oh,
0: yeah, so. yeah, very good. All right, so where can they catch more of your stuff, Warren?
1: Uh, so I am, as always, Orin gray on uh, Twitter and Facebook and all those fucking places as long as they last. anyway. <laughs> all those um, fucking places. They, That's exactly are, how I feel about it. They are that. flying apart at at warp speed, but uh-huh. while they're while they're around, I'm there. Um, as well as at com, and occasionally writing for signal horizon so.
0: yes and uh, you failed to mention but you need to uh, oren has got a new collection of short stories out
1: it doesn't feel new anymore it's been like four months
0: it hasn't <laughs> been that long you need to right what's the what's the name of uh, this collection
1: it's it's called how to see ghosts and other figments it's my fourth collection um and it came out back in technically October but only barely we made it in October by like a day yeah.
0: <laughs> well, uh, it gives you a sense of how how good this collection I think is. We have a, a company Slack for Signal Horizon, the the magazine that I own and 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 write for. Uh, and we were all just kind of chatting about authors that we like, and I had a one of my writers was like, oh man, have you checked out uh, Oren Gray's new collection, blah, 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 and like gushed all over it without understanding that Oren was a part of the Slack channel.
1: Which to be fair, I almost never post in the Slack channel. Oh, so that's like,
0: all right, yeah. yeah well, sometimes <laughs> I don't either, so. But uh, I was just, a, I think, a really great moment of honesty. So Prof. Steven, it's a, it's a, you, man, it's as always a fantastic collection. So. You can uh, catch me with way less tweet, uh, way less uh, good tweets or witty <laughs> tweets uh, at Ty Unsel. I'm not really on Twitter anymore, but you can still kind of find me there. Uh, or you can find me. Uh, on Hive uh, maybe on occasion that's the thing that I tried to join when I got off of Twitter and yeah it's yeah.
1: crashing apparently like the dev team behind it is not
0: yeah, it's like two guys yeah. it's like two guys that are like oh yeah we'll take all your Twitter yeah. you know cast offs all I mean, I, I tried four to, billion of right, you
1: I tried to jump on Hive too and like it just it's like yeah. it never works when I try and get on it so I'm, I'm on it too ostensibly I yeah. guess
0: so <laughs> you should reach out to me directly uh, Tyler at SignalHorizon.com uh, or you can check out both of our our litter box where i think we spend uh, as much time as we do anywhere else <laughs> yeah uh, you saw an amazing trailer at the beginning of this movie for next month's episode andrew do you know what day that is 23rd of february the 23rd of february you need to be here it is a free screening we will have 3d glasses for
1: My Bloody Valentine 3D from like 2006 or nine or whatever it's from. Yeah, and
0: and I've got a whole month to figure out how somebody might be able to use that in the classroom. Good luck, have fun. Yeah, but it is going to be an absolute blast. So as always, there are free screenings here uh, at the Stray Cat Film Center. So special thank you to the folks here at Stray Cat, uh, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, I'll be here. Yeah, right. we